you are listening to the Pleasant View Baptist Church preaching podcast. We hope today's message will be a blessing to you and your family. Thank you for taking time to listen to our preaching podcast. We're blessed as a nation because of who he is, but also because we stand with Israel tonight. And uh, we stand with the nation Israel. And so um, I'm gonna, I told you this morning that we're going to look into that. And the Lord gave me the green light on it, and did he ever give me a lot of information? Um, I, I asked for wisdom. If you, if, you, if you want wisdom on something and you ask God for wisdom, you better hang on tight because he may just open up the, the windows of heaven and just start dumping knowledge on you tonight. And so um, not that I know anything, but I went, he led me to the people who do know things um, and showed me some things that I want to be able to help you with tonight. And I hope this can be a help to you. And um, uh, I had this outlined uh, uh, somewhat to, to, to a different scripture. Um, let me give you that scripture first. Zechariah, uh, Zechariah chapter number two. Um, uh, go back to, go to Matthew, hang a left at Matthew. And um, it's just a couple of uh, books back. Zechariah uh, chapter number two. And let me read a verse of scripture out of here. And... Um, I'm going to flip around a little bit, and I'm going to let you stay seated uh, while I read tonight, just because I'm going to flip around so many times. But Zechariah chapter number 2, um, if I can even get there, I was in chapter 5. Um, chapter number 2, we see this is the visions of Zechariah, the prophecy of Zechariah. And uh, let me give you what he says here um, in verse number, uh, verse number 8. He says this, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you. Uh, for he that toucheth you toucheth, toucheth the apple uh, of his eye. You say, preacher, what's he talking about there? He's talking about Jerusalem. Um, if you look there, there was a man. Um, this is a vision of a man with a measuring stick or a measuring line. And he is measuring uh, the nation of Israel or trying to measure the nation of Israel. And uh, what it, the Bible talks through here about having then that there, there there'll be no walls and what it's saying is that's talking about the gentile world um that though the jews are the jews and we're christians and there is a difference between a jew and a christian um but the the reach of the judaism and the reach of christianity will go to the uttermost parts of the earth and it has we're standing tonight in the uttermost part of the earth um you know it took me a long time to realize that i know the united states is uh, the probably the greatest, well, it is the greatest country on earth, but it is probably the greatest place to live. It's probably the greatest place to work. Um, I don't know of a better country uh, to live in other than the United States. Me and Brother Cole were talking about it in, in prayer room. We was about late for service tonight because we was talking so much about it. But uh, uh, it's good stuff when you talk about our nation. Um, you know, we're an impenetrable nation. Um, you know, if you study out and watch how what would happen if a country uh, were to try to invade the United States? It'd be bad for that country. Um, one, because of our allies, but just two, because of us. Um, you know, uh, we, we may not have the, the, the most military uh, personnel. We don't. If you look it up, China has us beat by several million uh, personnel. Um, but what, we, what, they, what we have that they don't have relies right here, and it's the love of our nation. Uh, we love the nation that we live in. People in America love America. They may act like they don't, but they love America. Um, but America is the greatest nation on earth. But um, uh, we, what I was trying to say this is we have borders, and there's borders of, of different places, but we are an outreach of, of Judaism and Christianity. Christianity. When, we, when Paul was trying to reach the entire world of, with the gospel because of Paul, going in to see Caesar and to take the uh, gospel um, to Europe is honestly is what he done. He took the gospel to Europe. Because of that, we have the gospel here today, and we're in the uttermost parts of, of the earth, according to, the, according to what Bible uh, phrase we look at. Um, Israel is the center of the world, if you ask me, um, uh, is the center point. Um, if you want to say, what is God's focus on the world? He focuses on everyone. But God's center focus is on Israel and the nation of Israel. And so tonight, I want to dig into that a little bit tonight. 
And I want to try to help you tonight to understand uh, um, that why is Israel the apple of God's eye? Or how do we know that Israel is the apple of God's eye? Where do we get that from in our Bible? We see right here, um, if you read all of Zechariah chapter number 2, let's just take the time and slow down a little bit and read it. Let's just do it. It says, And I lifted up mine eyes again, and looked, and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. Then said I, Whether goest thou? And he said unto me, To measure Jerusalem, to see what is the breadth thereof, and what is the length thereof. And behold, the angel that talked with me went forth, and another angel went out to meet him, and said unto him, Run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls. Towns without walls. Now understand this, that during this time, of the Old Testament and, and, and most of our Old Testament, your cities were surrounded by walls. Jerusalem, you want an interesting study, uh, study the size of Jerusalem's walls um, back in, uh, in the Old Testament, back in David's time. Um, the walls were thick enough for the Jimmy, they could take four chariots wide and ride them along the, out, the, up, the, the top part of the wall. It was a big uh, wall that went around Jerusalem and went around the whole city. And so back then, they had walls that would say, all right, if you're inside, you're in Jerusalem. If you're outside, you're not in Jerusalem. Okay, it's pretty simple. It makes sense. Uh, you're inside Israel. You're out. It really makes sense. But now, he's talking about how Israel is going to be without walls and how Israel is going to be expanded. And what that means is that uh, uh, Israel's uh, influence is going to spread throughout the entire world. And can I say it has. Um, Israel's influence has spread worldwide, literally, Worldwide, they're in the center of the news tonight um, in the United States of America, thousands of miles away. Um, Israel is our focal point. So what that is showing, I believe, when America stood, made their first stand with um, the nation of Israel, uh, I believe that we are fulfilling that prophecy of Zechariah right there in Zechariah chapter number four when it talks about how it's a towns um, without walls. Um, for the, and the just continue to read. It said, for the multitude of men and cattle therein, for I saith the Lord uh, will be unto, unto her a wall of fire round about and will be the glory in the midst of her. The Bible goes on to say, Ho, ho, come forth and flee from the land of the north, saith the Lord. For I have spread you abroad as the four winds of the heaven, saith the Lord. Deliver thyself, O Zion, that dwellest with the daughter of Babylon. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, After the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you. For he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. For behold, I will shake mine hand upon them, and they shall be a spool to thy servants, and ye shall know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me. Um, and so when you, when, when you look at that, that thought right there, and I've got so much, I really got to hurry up but slow down at the same time. That phrase, the apple of an eye, um, I, studied, I studied a little bit today because uh, I didn't want to go too deep into it, but in olden days, in uh, ancient times, uh, they're used to say that the pupil uh, would look like an apple. The center of the eyeball would look like an apple is what they believed. Um, they believed the center of the eye was an apple. That's where the, the phrase, the apple of the eye, that means your pupil is the, what is your pupil focused on? What is the apple of your eye focused on? Um, because when you look into someone, um, you can see what they're looking at. Uh, when you look into someone, you can see your reflection. Um, if y'all didn't know this, my wife has the most amazing eyes in the world. Um, uh, I've got a picture on my watch look at that, of her from our wedding, looking over our, her, what's them things called? Bouquet. She's looking over and her eyes are popping. When I look into my wife's eyes, I can see her focal point. She's focused on me or the boys that are wrestling behind me, one of the two. Uh, I can see her focal point. I am her apple of her eye. And the Lord is saying right here that Zion, that Zion, you know what that means. That's Israel. That's Jerusalem. Um, that's the nation of Israel. Um, um, is the apple of God's eye. Now, where does that put us now? So I want to look at something that's actually probably going to interrupt our study on the book of Revelation for Sunday school because we're going to jump into Revelation but jump way ahead of where we're at in our Sunday school lesson. Revelation chapter number 12. Turn your Bibles there. And I want you to read this with me. <coughs> I promise I'm trying to get through this and keep my voice at the end, but it ain't looking like it's going to happen. <clears throat> Revelation chapter number 12. I'm going to give you a minute. I'll let my voice rest a minute while I hear pages turn. Revelation chapter number 12. Now, I'll say this. Remember, 
in our study in Revelation, you've got to understand there's a lot, a lot of typology um, in the book of Revelation. And tonight we're going to look heavily at typology right here. Um, this is a heavy, heavy ver chapter of our Bible that deals with, type, uh, with the types and metaphors. Um, and so we're going to look at this, and then I'll fill you in on where we're at. Um, just to, to throw out our Sunday school class of where we're at, this will be the study that we do after we cover the, the seven trumpets, um, if that tells you how far away we are. Um, if you study your Bible, um, Revelation chapters number four through chapter number nine, um, you see us looking into the tribulation period. One person said this, and I like it, Revelation chapter number six through chapter number nine is looking at the revelation uh, from, a micro, from a telescope. Um, you're looking at it with a telescope view. That means you're zooming in on it, but you're still seeing the big picture of uh, the, the, the uh, tribulation period as a whole. When you get to verses nine, uh, uh, chapters 9 um, all the way through chapter uh, 19, I guess would be the best thing, maybe even chapter 20, you're looking at the tribulation period, really ch chapter 19, um, you're looking at the tribulation period from a microscopic scale. Um, you look at it from a, from a telescope, you still see the big view. Um, but from a microscopic scale, you look at each individual event that's going to take place in the tribulation period. And so this is a deeper detail of, of that time period. But I want, I want, I want to show you, I'm going to share something with you. And I'm going to try to slow down a little bit here um, and say this. Um, before I read this, let me give you this because I, I don't want to bypass this. Uh, let's, let's do this. This will help my voice to calm down a little bit too. I want to show you something. So this, this will tie back into the, this morning. This morning I talked about Islam and how uh, the confusion of where Islam, Christianity dealt with and how that uh, Islam followed after um, Ishmael. And they believe Ishmael was who was offered up on Mount Sinai. Has anybody ever heard this phrase or this building in Jerusalem called the Temple Mount? Anybody ever heard it? Raise your hand if you've heard the Temple Mount. You, you heard it because I told you today, all right? <laughs> the Temple Mount, all right? You've probably seen pictures of it. I'm going to try. Let me turn it like this. Maybe it'll make it a little bit better for you to see it. Now, does this look familiar to anybody? The big gold dome when you see pictures of Jerusalem. All right? I can bring it out closer. Look here. I'll get to the bad eyes back here on the back row or this row. But y'all see it, the gold, that the big gold-looking thing there with the top? All right, that's very important. That's a very important building. And I'm going to tell you why it's important. Uh, if, I, if I could speak Arabic, I would tell you how to pronounce it, but it's something like Al-Harar or Al-Bazar or something like that. This is Mount Moriah. Anybody know what Mount Moriah was? This is the place, this is the Temple Mount. This is the exact place where... Isaac was offered up as a sacrifice to God. You know, he was offered up, you know, and God provided the ram over in the thicket. You say, well, didn't you just say Abraham? Abra in Abraham's mind, Isaac was dead for three days. Understand that. I, I, he, he, had my, he, he had his mindset to kill his son on Mount Moriah that day. He had, his mindset was set on that. Um, I'm seeing a few looks right there. That maybe I need to preach on that before too much longer. Uh, and I may preach on that come uh, Wednesday night. I don't know. Um, on uh, on uh, um, Isaac being offered as a sacrifice, but and, and how he's a type of Christ, he is, um, because he said he didn't, he never died, but in Abraham's mind, he was dead for three days because he had made up his mind on the three day journey to Mount Moriah that he was going to kill his son, and as he pulled the sword back and the knife back to literally, there's no children in here tonight to literally fillet the meat off the bone of Isaac. If you study out the sacrifices and what they had to do, fillet the meat off the bone of his own son. Uh, the angel of the Lord stopped him, and there was a ram caught in the thicket, and they offered the ram up as a sacrifice. That happened on Mount Moriah. That happened right underneath that building right there. Now, y'all know that building wasn't there when Abraham done that, okay? That build, this was, this, he would probably look up to this part. I'll give you something else. It's a pretty cool little picture that I, I kind of like this picture. I just kind of randomly picked one, but I like it. Do y'all see this right here? These people down here? This is the Wailing Wall. This is the, 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 uh, the wall that is left of the tabernacle of Solomon's the temple. I'm sorry, not tabernacle, Solomon's temple. Um, this is the exact place where they're working on rebuilding the temple. When the temple goes back up, honey, you better pack your bags because we get out of here. I wouldn't pack no bags because the bags will stay here, but you, you, I mean, you can try. 
But I, the reason I wanted to show you that tonight is because that is a something you can go look at today. Um, if you want to go and get on a plane, I don't recommend it at this time period. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you want to go. Cole, I don't know. You want to go over there um, right now and just, you know, hang out with the missiles? That sounds fun. Uh, but if you go over there, you can go in that building, you can look around. But that is actually occupied right now, not by Jews. It is not occupied by Christians. Do y'all know what that building is today? It's a mosque. It is occupied by the Muslims. It is called Al-Haqqad or something like that. It is, it is actually where they, they go to church, if you want to say it like that. It's their temples where they go and pray to Mecca. Um, that is what that is. And so to tie it in from this morning, I hope I'm not too broad. I promise you I'm getting somewhere. Um, not too broad. But anyway, the nation of Israel, let me, let me give you this. I'm, I'm trying to put a lot into a little bit of time here. Adrian Rogers said this about the nation of Israel. Israel is God-ordained, God-called, God-protected, God-blessed nation. God loves Israel. And yet Israel has a lot of enemies that don't like them and that don't love God. And so let's look tonight at where this all began. Where did the problem start? All right? Let's look into this. I'm going to read this to you kind of slowly because it is a whole chapter I'm going to read to you. Um, but you listen to this, and then we'll go into what it, each thing means. The Bible says this, Revelation chapter number 12, verse number 1, the woman with child. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon and under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. She being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be uh, delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and it cast them into the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child, who was to rule all nations, with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was there a place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil. And Satan, which deceived the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath put, a, but he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast in the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two uh, wings of a great eagle, um, that she might fly into the wilderness into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and a half a time from a face of the servant, from the face of the servant. And the serpent, and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, um, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. And the earth helped uh, the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which kept the common uh, the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Let's look at those verses tonight. And I'm going to fill you in where we're at and why the nation of Israel is so important. And why, uh, and what is this woman? Who is she? Who is this woman right here? Um, there has a, been a lot of false doctrines brought up about this woman um, uh, right here in Revelation. I, just, I didn't read you some man's words. I read you from God's word. Um, but there is men that get a hold of it. And, and um, there's doctrines that have taken place. And um, I want to share you some thoughts about who the world says this woman is. The Catholic Church gets a hold of this, and you'll never guess who they think she is. They think it's Mary. And it sounds like it is if you read it. But for a typology, not Mary. 
not a type of Mary. Let me give you a reason why. The Roman Catholics have said that this woman is Mary. There are several reasons why this cannot be true. Mary never ascended into heaven. Mary never ascended into heaven. Mary gave birth on earth and not in heaven. Mary cannot be wedged in the verse number 6 where it says, And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God and that should um, uh, feed her um, there a thousand two hundred and three score years. Can I say this right here? Um, the Catholics who believe in Mary, that's where they mess up at. Mary um, is not all-knowing. Mary is not omnipotent. Um, Mary, um, uh, 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 she is not living today. Um, if you read this, this is showing that this is a living organism that is alive today. This organism has not died. Mary died. Mary has a burial site. Uh, you dig her bones up. There's bones there uh, of Mary. Now, was she a great woman? Absolutely. Um, uh, I'm thankful for her faithfulness. I'm thankful that she was a woman who obeyed God. Um, I'm thankful that she was, uh, um, uh, she was just somebody who, who was obedient unto God. Ladies, you think about it. Angel come to you by night. Um, you're a virgin, and they're going to say, Oop, guess what? Uh, uh, you're going to have a baby. And she's like, uh, I am. I mean, you could imagine what she went through. Um, you could imagine the, the scrutiny once she started showing um, that she, she was not married. So once she started showing that she was pregnant, the scrutiny that would come on her, um, she went through a lot. And I thank the Lord for her, um, but she's not who this is. Look right here. Some believe this woman is the church. Some believe this is a type of the church. Well, that can't be true either. However, um, it was Christ that the man-child that gave birth to the church, not the other way around. Um, it was Christ, the man-child that's talking about here, that gave birth, not the church that gave birth to Christ. Christ gave birth to the church. Um, so Christ, the church, if this is talking about the church, um, this being a type of the church here, the church didn't give birth to Christ. Christ gave birth to the church. Um, uh, he formed the church. He said, uh, what did he say over there to Peter? Or uh, to, Yeah, to Peter. He said, uh, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I shall build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Um, that he built the church. God did on himself, on him being the rock. I'll give you, here's, a, here's, a, here's one that's kind of comical. The woman by the name of Mary Baker Patterson uh, uh, Glover Eddy, she said she was the woman and that the child that she gave birth to was the Church of Science. And that, um, uh, and that was back in 1879. Um, she gave birth to, a, to, the, to the movement of Christian science. Uh, um, for the sake of time, let's just say this, it ain't her either. Let me show you who this woman is. Let's look, uh, who is this mysterious woman? Let's take a look at the clues that we have in our Bible and let's break it down and find out who she is. Let's look at her description. This woman, look what the Bible says, is clothed with the sun. Um, this speaks of heavenly glory. The moon is under her feet. Um, this speaks of dominion and power. She wears a crown. This speaks of royalty. And then she, on this crown, there is 12 stars which speaks of none other than the 12 tribes of Israel. I believe this woman is none other than the nation of Israel. Um, I think that um, this is, we could look at this as some Old Testament scripture to back it up. In Genesis chapter number 37, verses 9 through 11, um, Joseph, um, um, uh, uh, he first tells of his dream um, that was a thousand years prior to this being written. Um, and um, in this dream, Jacob's reaction to Joseph's dream um, that the sun, the moon, and the stars represents the nation of Israel. Joseph said that. I mean, not Joseph, I'm sorry. Jacob said that back in Genesis. That the sun, the moon, and the stars represent uh, the nation of Israel. Um, the second passage, Genesis 15, 5, um, and when it talks about Abraham, um, talking about his seed being compared as the stars. The stars. Now let's go back and read. Verse number one, and there appeared a woman, or I'm sorry, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed um, with the sun, the moon, and under her feet and upon her head a crown of twelve stars, and she being with child travailed in the birth and pain. Let me read it right again, I'm sorry. And there appeared a, one, a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon, and under her feet and under her head a crown of twelve stars, and she being with, with, child, uh, with child cried, uh, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. Um, we see there, we see the moon, we see the stars, um, and we see the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, uh, we, this shows us that this here, uh, using uh, the clues that are given, that this is a type of Israel. Um, this woman here is a type of Israel. Now, 
Let's tie it to Mary. What was Mary? Mary was a Jew. What was Joseph? A Jew. And the boy, he was born, Jesus was born of a Jew. Um, Jesus was born a Jew. He was born out of the nation of Israel. And Mary represents the entire nation of Israel. Now you understand that for a minute. Mary, the responsibility that she had on her life was to be a representation of the entire nation of Israel. To give birth to a man-child um, that was going to redeem the world uh, of all of its sins and, and, and be, die on a cross and be resurrected. That was the responsibility that she had. Um, she was. We see her description. But now let's look at her destiny. This woman here is in the middle of childbirth. Uh, we, we see that she's in, she's in, she's in pain. Um, she is in great travail as she tries to bring her child into this world. We are told in verse number 5 that her son uh, is going to be ruler of the world. And verse number 5 says this, And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up into God and into His throne. Now, <clears throat> I want to give you this real quick, and I'm going to move on past. Here is where the Jews messed up at. So the Jews, what's the difference between a Christian and a Jew, right? But the Jews believe this. They do believe in the Messiah. But they just don't believe Jesus was the Messiah. They don't believe Jesus was the Messiah because He didn't fulfill this verse. He didn't fulfill this verse right here. Talks about how he shall rule with a rod of iron. And they talk about that. You see this in the Old Testament when they when the old prophets were prophesying about the Messiah, how he would come and rule with a rod of iron. Here's the thing: the finished work of Calvary's not done yet. He done all the work on Calvary for us to be saved, but his job is not complete. The Messiah is coming again, and when he comes the second time. When he makes foot on the second time and he touches down on Mount Moriah and he sits on David's throne, he's going to rule them with a rod of iron. You want to know all that about that, just hang around our Sunday school class. We're about to get there. It may take us till May of 2027, but we're getting there, all right? At the rate we're going, it's very slow, but we'll get there. But you're going to find out that Jesus is going to rule with a rod of iron, which is what the Jews have always wanted. The Jews have always wanted a military leader. Why do you think that they look so far up to a Netanyahu? Netan, however you say his name. Y'all know who I'm talking about, right? Uh, Netanyahu, I can't say his name. Why do you think they look up to him so much? It's because he's a military ruler. He is a military ruler. They look up to him because they like what he's doing. They like that he went in and kicked uh, Hezbollah right in the mouth. And if y'all seen some pictures from the Gaza Strip, he's flattening them. Um, he's kicking tail and taking names. And that's what the Jews want. That's what the Jews want. They want somebody to rule with a rod of iron. If they just be patient, they're going to find one that will. They just got to be patient first. Um, um, but I, I'm, I'm with them. I ain't got no patience either. <laughs> uh, I don't like it. But anyway, look at her destiny right here, and I'm going to move on. The picture of Israel in childbirth reminds us that it was a nation of Israel God used to bring His Savior into the world. Jesus Christ is Jewish. In Matthew 1.11, He is called the Son of David and the Son of Abraham. When God gave um, the great prophecy of Genesis 3.15, He said, I, I will put enemy between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This woman is Israel, and the seed of the woman is the Lord Jesus Christ. You can take this verse of Scripture and go all the way back to Genesis when he was talking to Eve. When he was talking to Eve. And I don't want to get ahead of myself. I, 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 want, to, I want to give you some things here. In Romans 9, 4, and 5, the Bible says this, Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth um, uh, the, uh, the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises? Whose are the fathers and whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all. God blessed forever. Amen. So it was the nation of Israel that God chose to be the womb through which He sent His Son into the world. Um, this woman was in great travail. We see that. She was in the midst of childbirth. Um, this, this type that we see right here, that womb being the nation of Israel giving birth to the man-child, which is the Messiah. So we see the personality of the woman. Um, but now let's go in a little deeper and let's look at the persecutor of the woman. We see the personality of the woman and we realize that this woman is 
that we're talking about here is the nation of Israel. And that she gives birth to the man-child, which is Jesus Christ, who was going to bruise the head of the serpent. Um, um, that, that's, what, that's, what, that's basically what that is there. The, per, the, the persecutor that we see here in these verses. Look at the personality of the dragon um, that we knit. The, 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 red, the great red dragon who has seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns on his head. Let's look at each one of those real quick. The red, the color, uh, it's the color of war. It's the color of bloodshed. Can I tell you what Satan loves? He loves war and he loves bloodshed. Can I tell you what made Satan happy was October 7th, 2023. When they went in and they took and killed 1,300, it was, of the Israelis. They took capture to some of those Americans. I noticed, though, when, when, when America spoke up, they released, started releasing Americans pretty quick. Um, it didn't take them long to start releasing Americans, but they did not release the Israelites, um, the Israelis. They're still in there. They're still holding them captive. And Satan loved that. Satan enjoyed that. Let me tell you why he enjoyed that. Because he knew the reaction of Netanyahu. He knew that he was going to retaliate and cause more bloodshed. He knew that America was going to show up and, uh, and have the potential uh, to start an all-out war there and begin World War III right there in the nation of Israel and right there in Gaza and the Gaza Strip. And that, that is right where all of the, the mayhem Satan wants to destroy. Because Satan thinks this, that if I can wipe Israel off the face of the planet, I've done my job. He's tried it from the beginning. We're going to look at that in just a second. But the rather, the, when you see the description here of the dragon, we see the color red. Um, that, that stands for bloodshed. Then we see the word dragon. The, a dragon is a winged serpent. There is no such thing in our natural world. This is a picture of the devil. In fact, we are very safe to identify the dragon and the devil um, because of verse number 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan which dwelleth, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. We see the dragon here. But then we see the seven heads that he has. This speaks of the vast intelligence of Satan. There's something you need to know about Satan church and that he is smarter than you are. He knows this Bible forward and backwards and backwards and forwards. You better be careful if you try to go up against Satan. You'll lose. You, go, you better put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, to, to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's how you're just going to be able to make a stand. That's all you're ever going to be able to do against Satan. You will never be able to defeat him. You can only make a stand against him. You need to realize you need to understand your enemy. I encourage you to get this book. Y'all ready? And when you get this book, you better hang on tight because he's coming after you. Satan's toolbox. Write it down. Get you that book. Me and I encourage you to get it. Be the man of the house and you get it and read it. I've tried to read it about three or four times and I, I, don't, I have a hard time reading books. I just do. But I've tried to read it about three or four times and when he does, I'm telling you, you learn about your enemy. You better learn about your enemy. Satan's toolbox will teach you about your enemy. And your enemy is Satan. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against the prince and powers of the air. That's Satan. That's who our enemy is. Can I say this right here, husband? Look at your wife. Look at her. That's not your enemy. That's not your enemy, even though she's got red hair and she's got the... Anyway, y'all get the comparisons here in a second. I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I need some, somebody feed me tonight. <laughs> I ain't ate supper yet. I'm just kidding. But she's not your enemy. Wives, look at your husband. He's not your enemy. Y'all look at me. I'm not your enemy. And I'm looking at you. You're not my enemy. Satan. You need to realize that and realize he's strong and he's powerful. But look at verse, I got one more thing I'm going to give you, but look right here at verse number. Look at verse number 11. If you pen, highlight in your Bible, mark this verse, star this verse, memorize this verse. And they overcame him. Guess who they are? That's the, the inhabitants of the earth. That's us. We inhabit earth. They overcame him by the blood of who? The lamb. And by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. They loved not their life. That's how we overcome. Overcame him by the blood of the lamb. We overcome the old serpent. That, 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 that's victory over that. But let me, let's finish up who he is. We see the seven heads. That shows his intelligence. In Ezekiel 28, 12, the Bible says this, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. I'll say this about Satan. Satan is not some ugly creature holding a pitchfork. Um, I'm a Blue Devils fan, so I'm going to stand this way. He is not a Blue Devil. All right? Everybody says, you know, how are you going to pull for a devil? Well, that ain't what Satan looks like. 
If Satan were to walk in that door right now, he'd be the prettiest thing you've ever laid your eyes on. He would catch your attention right off the bat. He'd be gorgeous. He would absolutely, we would melt when he walked in the door because of who he is. He's beautiful. Understand your enemy. Understand he's not some scary creature that they try to throw in these movies around Halloween. Uh, he ain't that. Does he live inside those? Absolutely. I don't watch those movies no more. I've quit watching them. You listen to them in your house, I promise. Let me tell you what you're doing. You're opening your eye gate for demons to get in. You better be careful what your eye gate sees. It'll let the demons in. You want a good story about that, talk to Brother Jeremy Simpson. Just talk to him about it, how that they, because they used to love watching, they still watch them. I don't know why they, 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 they stopped at one point and they started watching them again. I don't know what they were thinking. But it's a true thing. It, it really is. When you watch that stuff, you're allowing demons to come out of the TV into your mind. Study me out. But anyway, you better be careful watching those scary movies. But he's perfect. If you look right here, seven heads. He's got all knowledge. Ten horns. The horns were a symbol of power. Satan is not all-powerful. He's not all-powerful as God is. But can I say this right here? He is powerful. He is powerful. The battle that took place between Satan and Michael, the archangel, was not a... Michael went up there and punched him one time and sent him on his way. It wasn't these fights, Cole, that we used to watch in high school, you know. We used to see two people get in a fight, and, man, I just thought they beat the brakes off somebody. That ain't how it worked. It was an all-out brawl between Michael, the archangel. You say, how do you know that? The fight was so good that when Satan fell, he took a third of the angels with him. He took a third of the angels with him. That's how, that's how big of the fight was. And those angels became demons. Those demons I told you about that come out of the screen, that's those fallen angels. That's what they are. It's Bible. I'm just giving you Bible. And we see the seven, we see the ten horns. Now we see the seven crowns. Uh, the crowns are a symbol of authority. Um, Satan is still the god of this world, the little G-O-D of this world, according to Second Corinthians 4.4. 4. We see the personality of the dragon. Now let's look at the pollution of the dragon. Um, Look at the reference. Look at what the verse says right here. Um, it talks about the stars of heaven being cast down. I've already mentioned this a little bit. This is by the tail of the dragon. Um, refers all the way back to the fall uh, uh, of Satan and how that he brought a third of the angels with him. Um, I want to say this about Satan. He's not always been an evil creature. Did y'all know that? He's not always been an evil creature. He used to be a cherubim that went around the throne singing, Holy, 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 worthy is the Lamb of God. But pride got in his heart, and instead of saying, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God, um, he was saying, worthy, worthy am I to be the Lamb of God. And he wanted to be God. And when he wanted to be God, that's when the battle took place between him and Michael, when Michael said, no, you ain't God. And they began to fight. I don't know what was said or what was took place, but I have an imagination. And you just think about what type of fight that would have been that took a third of the angels with them. Um, Ezekiel 28, 12, and 15, uh, you'll learn about the pride um, that was found in Lucifer's heart, and that ha and and he tried to take God's throne. He tried to overthrow the Lord. Isaiah fourteen uh, twelve uh, fourteen twelve through fourteen. Lucifer sinned uh, and became Satan. He was cast out of heaven. Isaiah fourteen fifteen. Ezekiel twenty eight sixteen through eighteen. Uh, when Lucifer fell, he drew a third of the angels from heaven in, in his rebellion, and they were cast down to earth as fallen angels, as demons, um, to be a part of Satan's kingdom and do his bidding for him. You can see that in Ephesians six twelve. There were, he polluted this earth. When that dragon fell from heaven, he brought down a pollution with him. Um, uh, uh, the pollution that come with him. Look right here. I'm trying to get somewhere and I'm trying to hurry. Look at the plans. And we don't have two more Sunday night services, so y'all can hang in there for a few more minutes, right? The, we see the, the personality of the dragon, the pollution of the dragon. And then we see the plans of the dragon. I really want to give you this. The plans of the dragon. Satan is pictured as standing before Israel, waiting for the birth of the child. The reason this whole thing is here is a picture of Satan, that old serpent. He is standing there waiting for the birth of the child. And at the moment the child is born, Satan rages all-out war to destroy that child. When Jesus was born, what happened? What did they try to do? They tried to kill all the newborns under the age of two. Guess who controlled that, Satan? Let me give you some thought. Let me give you some stuff here. Satan had worked from the beginning of time in order to prevent the birth of the promised seed of the woman. Satan moved Cain to kill Abel, thinking he could stop God's plan. He did not know that God uh, would send Seth. Look right here. He tried to corrupt the human bloodline by having the 
bloodly line of Seth intermarry with the evil line of Cain. He did not know about Noah and the ark. He aroused Esau to anger so that Jacob might be killed, but he did not know that God would help Jacob escape. He tried to kill the Jews in Egypt by having Pharaoh slay all the little boys. He did not know that uh, there would be a little boy saved by his very own daughter and be raised in his courts by the name of Moses. He tried to lead Israel away in idolatry thinking God would destroy the nation. He did not see God sending them into captivity where He would forever um, uh, rid them of their idols. He failed in every attempt to stop the birth of the Christ. And when the time came for Jesus to enter the world, Satan did everything in his power to slay, to slay um, the Christ child when he was an infant. He, Satan moved on Herod's heart to destroy all the babies in Bethlehem under the age of two. In Matthew chapter number 2, verses 16 and 18, Satan's job from the very beginning was to destroy that child. And that child was Jesus, but it was also a representation of the nation of Israel. Satan's job, Satan's goal, from the very beginning is to destroy the nation of Israel. He wants to wipe them off the face of the planet. 1948 made Satan so mad. When you say this right here, the nation of Israel, you are making a statement, a very, very bold statement. I want to say this right here. I'll go as far to say this. When you say na- that phrase, nation of Israel, I, don't, I think we should just say it all the time together. I think I believe it's so strong that we shouldn't just say Israel. I think we should say nation of Israel. Because what we're doing is, we're yes, we're saying we stand with Israel, but we're making another statement that says we stand with the nation of Israel. We represent Israel as a nation, not a providence of Palestine. What they do in, in this video that I watched one day this week, I can't remember, maybe in last week or the week before last, I can't remember, I watch a lot of them. I told, I told Brother Cohen, uh, prayer room tonight, that I, I'm not a prepper for the events. I'm not a prepper, but I like to watch prepper videos. <laughs> um, a good one, I'm not standing behind the pulpit, so I'll say this. He, he, I don't like his language and anything that he, that he promotes, but uh, he'll get you out there in some deep thoughts as the Canadian prepper. Um, he'll get you out there in some real deep thoughts. You look him up. He's, uh, uh, half the stuff he, he's crazy on, I'm telling you, but it'll make you think is what it'll do. Um, and I, I don't mind listening to him when he makes me think, um, uh, but it'll make you learn. Like you under, like, is he telling the truth or is he not? Most times you're going to find out, man, he's a lunatic, but it's cool to watch. But anyway, Satan's goal from the very beginning was to be, to destroy Satan. I'm going to give you these and I'm going to be done. I still got two more points. Um, I still, I'm not even close to being done. I'm going to just give you these and I'll be done. Look right here. The nation of Israel, we see the woman, uh, the personality of the woman. We see the persecutor of this woman. Then we see the prodigy of this woman. And I don't have time to go into this because this is shouting grounds right here. Y'all know who the prodigy of that woman was? That was Jesus Christ. Look, his description. He's called the man-child. The seed of the woman came into the world. Um, uh, that, uh, he came in the world just like every other baby. But he, he came in the womb just like every other baby. But he was a child that was born perfect. He was a child that was born without fault. Um, he was a child that was born to be um, the savior of this entire world. He had, look at his destiny. His description was a man-child. His destiny was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. Um, and one day he's going to. Revelation chapter number 19. Let me just flip over there real quick because it's an exciting verse. Revelation chapter number 19, verse number 15. Look what the Bible says. And he says, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with, uh, that with it, would, it should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth on the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of God. And he, on his vesture and on his thigh, name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Um, that man-child that was born here was Jesus, and he's, his destiny is to rule the, nation, is rule the world with a rod of iron. And we see his, deliv- uh, his deliverance. The man-child is pictured being caught up to God into the, into the throne of God. I'll say this right here. The day Satan killed, attempted, let me read, let me get my words right. The day Satan attempted to kill Jesus on the cross, Satan thought he won. Y'all got to understand this. Satan, one of the best illustrations that Adrian Rogers, he gives this on, on this. He says, I picture Satan. And he says this. He goes, when Jesus died on the throne or on the on cross of Calvary, and he gave up the ghost. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. When he bowed his head, Satan threw a party in hell. And in that party, he said, we won. We won. And all of a sudden, 
the crowd and, and hail begins to quieten from the distance, from the furthest distance away. And all of a sudden, a lamb, as though he had been slain, makes his way right down the center street of hell, walks straight up to Satan himself, plucks the keys out of his hand, and says, I'm not done yet, and goes, and three days later, he's resurrected. Um, Satan thought he won that day, but he didn't, he lost. And ever since then, he knew he couldn't get Jesus, so he sets his target on Israel. And what does he do? He sets his target on a religion called Islam. Islam sets their target on Israel. And I want to say this right here. They are trying to make it into our nation. They are trying to make it into our schools, and they're starting with our young people. They're starting with our kids. I don't know if anybody in here has got kids that are college age. You better be careful where you send your kids to college. You better be careful where you send your kids to college. Understand this. At the age of 25, science says this, if you're the, the, the decision-making part of your brain has not fully developed until you're 25 years old. But we're going to send a kid at 18 years old to live on their own, to live on their own out in a, in, into, a, in, into a sick society that all they want to do is manipulate them to their own beliefs and their own wants. I'll tell you what the best college a child can get, sitting on a church pew underneath a man of God that loves the Lord underneath the mom and daddy that's going to open up a Bible and read to them. Let the Word of God speak to their hearts. That's the best college they can get. Learn a trade. I'm convinced kids don't learn enough trades. The trade, the trade society is not there. They just don't know trades. And I'm talking about my generation. I'm not talking about generation. I'm talking about mine. We started it. We didn't, hold, we didn't do our job. We all got lazy. But we got to be careful where we send our youngins. I, I, I'm off on a tangent there, but the deliverance of the child was that one day he's going to come rule with a rod, a rod of iron. The protection of this woman, she was in distress. I, I got some thoughts here that I don't want to share with you because I don't want to. I have my own personal thoughts on this of, uh, of who shows up here in the protection here. And I just want to throw the United States out there um, that we do protect Israel. We, 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 it's our job. To protect, look what the Bible says, and, and, and right here it says, and when the dragon saw that he was cast in the earth, he, he, uh, he persecuted the woman which br uh, brought forth the man-child, and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but the, one of our, our national birds is an eagle. just thought I'd throw that out there. I think that's pretty interesting. She was given a great eagle, and she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time and a times and a half a time, um, from the face of the serpent, and the serpent cast out his mouth upon the wall. We see the earth protector. I believe there's more than earth protecting her. I believe the nation of Israel, the protection that she sees is us. I believe we are there to protect her. Other nations are there to protect her. And it's where God called to do that. If you need a verse to back up why you think the United States should be over there fighting a war that's not about us, you hear people say that, you take them to this verse right here and say, she needs two wings of an eagle. She needs it. She needs the protection. I'm talking about Israel. Israel needs our protection. Israel needs us. So if somebody comes to you and say, what's your thoughts on the war? You just say, us as America needs the protection. As we come get us a verse of some song, um, I know it's more teaching tonight than it was preach. I still got two and a half pages of notes, just to throw that out there to y'all. Um, I could keep going for the next two to three hours, probably, on that. And I probably don't even scratch the surface, and I probably threw too much out there too quick. But I challenge you to study the nation of Israel. Ask God to give you wisdom on the nation of Israel. Ask God to do that, of why we need to protect her, why we need to do this. I want to do this tonight just to show my stance with Israel. I want to have an altar call, and I want all of us to come, and I want us to pray for Israel tonight. I want us to pray that our leaders will stay backing Israel. I'll say this right here. We were talking, and I about said Sunday school. We were talking in prayer room. We was talking about how the United States is vulnerable. But what keeps us protected is the reason is because we back Israel. And not just that we back Israel, we protect Israel. Those missiles that the news is just throwing by that were shot by shot out of Yemen, that our uh, destroyer uh, uh, shot down, that's a big deal, folks. Our news media is not going to make it a big deal. It's a big deal that we as the United States protected an attack on the nation of Israel. We prevented it. We've done our job right here from Revelation chapter number 12.
we gave her the wings that she needed. By the help of the Lord, we gave her the wings that she needed. And so I want, to, I want us to now, as she begins to play, I want everybody that's able and willing to come bow around the altar and let's pray for the nation of Israel tonight. Let's pray that God will help us as a nation to continue to back Israel. Let's pray that the Lord will get a hold of our colleges and get a hold of those young people that are trying to stand against Israel and realize who they're messing with. And I didn't even go into it tonight, but the nation of Israel is God's people. Us as the church is the Lord Jesus Christ's people. And if Jesus cared enough about the church that He's willing to die for it, how much do you think God is willing to do for the nation of Israel? Let's pray for Israel tonight. Lord, I thank You for what You do for us, God. I thank You, Lord, for Your love and Your mercy and Your peace, God. God, I want to thank You openly, Lord, for a nation that stands with Israel, but not only stands with Israel by words, but a nation that will protect Israel with their actions. God, I'm praying tonight, Lord, that You'll get a hold of our leaders, God. God, I pray, Lord, for our leaders there in Congress, God, in the House, the Senate. God, that You'd get a hold of them and get their pride in order before they destroy our nation from within because of pride. I'm tired of seeing their little games that they want to play, a popularity contest of uh, who to be voted in where. That's not what it's about. It's about having some leaders that love you and want to see your will done. I'm praying, God, that you'll send us some leaders. God, that you'll go ahead and raise up some leaders, God, that will defend this nation. God, I still believe we're the greatest nation on the face of the planet. But God, I believe it's only because we back Israel and we stand with Israel, your people. God, I'm praying tonight, God, that you'll put a protective hedge about Israel. God, I pray, God, for all the men and women, God, that'll go into battle probably as we speak or here in just in a couple of hours. Um, they'll probably begin fighting again, Lord. I pray, God, that you'll protect them. God, as they begin the ground assault on the, on the Gaza Strip, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would keep, uh, keep the military safe, God. Lord, I pray, God, that you would allow the United States to defend off any missile strikes that come their way. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us stand with Israel in these last days. Lord, I pray, God, I, as the Bible says, come quickly, Lord Jesus. God, I believe that we're in the last days of the last moments and the last seconds of the last days, God. I believe that. And I pray, God, that we'll reach this world further than we ever have. And God, that we'll go into the highways and hedges, God, and win them to you. And God, I believe we're running out of time. God, I believe you're waiting on the last one, God, to get saved before uh, you call us all home. And God, I pray, Lord. Oh, God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us. Help us as a church to be who we need to be. Help us as a church, God, to grow, Lord. Help us be a church that loves you. And God, we'll thank you. We'll praise you for what you do. Thank you for a great day in your house. Thank you for the people that came today. Lord, I pray, God, that you'll take our feeble efforts, God, and you'll bless it and let it help the people, God. I, I know I probably didn't do a good job of covering this tonight, but I pray, God, that you just help us. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name, that name above every name. Amen and amen.